Welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. And Julian, I have one thing to say. I am your father. <laughs> uh, except you're clearly not, because everybody yeah. who knows that clearly <laughs> doesn't know that. Yeah, um, yeah that's a weird one. Um, We're gonna get no, to that. I, I have one thing to say, and that's get the fucking hyperdrive working. Oh my god, <laughs> change the movie Yeah, we're talking today about Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back uh, Possibly one of, the, episode, one of the longest titles we've covered so far um, Yes, we're going to continue our Star Wars If you go back to, I believe, yeah, Season 1 um, We covered uh, New Hope And now we're covering The Empire Strikes Back So we are working our way through the new trilogy And I'm pretty sure at this point we will have to go do A very specific about uh, Return of the Jedi. But today we are talking about The Empire Strikes Back, often considered by many to be the the, the superior film within the original trilogy. And in some people's cases, they, they acknowledge it as the best Star Wars film of the entire saga. Let's see if we agree. Well, I mean, to be fair, let's establish as a matter of objective fact that the pickings, they be slim. Um, so, you know, like saying that, like, it's the best of, and, and like, I'm not knocking Star I know everybody's going to be like, you're such an asshole, toy, you know, like, like, I'm not knocking Star Wars. I'm just saying, you know, like, Star Wars is fun. I grew up, I have so much nostalgic feels watching mm-hmm. this movie, but, you know, like, the Pickens, like, are these masterpieces of cinema? Yeah, no, they're, they're masterpieces of music and, and design work, you know, we talked about, I mean, I'm still blown away by the music and the Macquarie mm-hmm. design, but, you know, I mean, these are not exactly cinematic masterpieces, they're fun, but, you know. It, yeah, I mean, let's talk about it, so, you know, plots from this obviously follows uh, the events of Star Wars, and so, sometime after, I think, it's, I, I sort of checked, it's indeterminate, I think some people say six years, to six, sorry, six months to a year, sort of following the events of... Um, I thought it was uh, three. Yeah, I think, well, I might be wrong, actually, but like this follows the events of Star Wars, but, so, you, you know, Luke Skywalker is now a, an established member of the Resistance, um, and leads a squadron of uh, fighter pilots, and they are fight, they are sort of uh, in hiding on the run from the Empire uh, on the ice planet of Hoth. Uh, when they are found on the, the ice planet of Hoth, they have to go on the run, and the Empire, uh, the Resistance goes on the run, um, uh, while Luke goes off to sort of complete his training with the Jedi Master uh, Yoda. Um, whilst doing that, he learns of a double cross that happens in Cloud City. Between uh, when Darth Vader takes Han Solo and Leia and the rest captive, and so Luke goes to save them, and in the in doing so, finds out that Darth Vader is his father. Um, 
and it ends on a, a sort of a bleak note of the resistance still sort of on the run, the Empire sort of chasing them, and Luke having been defeated really for the first time. Uh, and Han in, frozen. In, in, yeah, frozen in carbonite. Um, this is the thing I will say about this film. Like you say, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's around two hours, just over two hours long. And this is the, having watched it, I wanted to watch it with a more of a critical eye. Like, you know, and I'm not coming there because the stuff I actually really like about this film, actually, it does not need to be two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was really surprised that this film is that long. Um, there are entire sections, like you say, with the whole, there's repeat story beats just again and again where I'm just like, okay, like, you know, doesn't need to be this long. This just feels like padding. Yet, on the flip side, people seem to, we've said this about the, the first Star Wars, people travel great distances and don't seem to communicate to each other at all yeah. uh, and go off and just do random stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very strange, I mean, first of all, the Star Wars universe is very strange with regards to distance. Mm. Nobody seems to know where they are or how far it is. And a parsec is a measure of time, as a measure of time. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's a very strange universe. Um and characters just seem to be at other places very fast, and yet also they sense a death light years away instantly with the force. I mean, it's all very, very strange. Uh, and that all that continues here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the um, the big one for me is um, when they leave Hoth, um, you know, Han and Leia go off in, in the Millennium Falcon, and uh, Luke goes off in his uh, X-Wing, but doesn't communicate to anyone he's going to Dagobah. He just sort of goes, he, even like R2's surprise is his sort of mech droid. And he's like, now we're going off to uh, uh, to Dagobah now. And they just go. And at no point do you think, I should really let everyone know I'm all right. And, you know. Rule number uh, one of spelunking, okay? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I'm, uh, we are being chased by the Empire Yet I'm going to go off on my own and not tell anyone. It seems really selfish, but that I know that's a Luke sort of trait. But yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it's a very strange structure, and I, and I do mm. like this movie to to a degree. I mean, there are things that I admire about this film. Mm. It's a very strange structure. Its first act is entirely on Hoth and divided between sort of like two movie serials, you know. And obviously, this is Star Wars is very influenced by movie serials. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first is just kind of this weird, dumb adventure on Hoth, where mm -hmm. you know, Luke's out in the cold. I'm going to go get it. You know why that happened, don't you? Just, just as a sort of a side note, you, you know why that first bit happened. So the whole thing with the, well, I, I think it's the whole thing, but it changed. So you will note that the, the uh, when <clears throat> he is returned after being saved by the, the snow beast or whatever it is, um, he um the scarring on his face looks very realistic he looks very sort of like it's because it is real he'd been in a motorbike crash and they had to come up with a yeah and they had to come up with a reason as to why he was so bashed up for parts of filming and so they were like okay we'll have this story now you you're right however what i would say is um this is where i think there's a success to this film um the, the first 40 minutes for me mm. all works it feels like star wars yeah uh, and, and I strongest stuff. Yeah, and the, the whole story, everything on Hearth, I really like. I think it establishes, it re-establishes characters and relationships, um, it, and it gives you a, it gives you a sense of stakes. You know, with Hoth being attacked and what the resistance is trying to do, and 
it's all really good stuff. I mean, I really like everything on that that that, that beginning. Like, <clears throat> like you know, Luke um, uh, when he gets attacked by the snow beast, and and Han going out to save him, and all that kind of stuff. It's sort of, and then you know, Han and Leia arguing about it. Like, it it builds up this sort of like relationships and some of that. And like, so I like all that good stuff. This is it's utilized well. Um, apart from the half of the hot stuff is the Empire attacks. Exactly. Is yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, but again, I love all that. Like, you know, they're trying to escape. It feels like it's at stakes. Like, if you know, this is one of the things where the Empire doesn't feel uh, foolish. Like, it doesn't feel like incompetent. Like, they feel like an efficient force. Like, they are attacking the resistance and they are doing damage. Yeah, um, I think that the best part of that for me, I mean, like, yeah, the the at ats are kind of like not the most efficient design, you know. <laughs> but they are and cool. I don't care what everyone says. They are still the, one of the coolest things. Hey, I agree with that. I don't, mm-hmm. like, I'm not. I'm not. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in this first 30 minutes or so on Hoth that I think, oh, that's kind of embarrassing, but it's embarrassing in a charming way. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. embarrassing in like, oh, okay, you know, um, Luke is going to get into the bottom, the underside of one of the AT-ATs and throw a grenade, and you're going to yeah. see, which is like so Flash Gordon, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and you know, and then he's going to you know run away, and you're like, oh, that doesn't look great, you know. Like, do we need to see this? But then you think, yeah, I would totally buy this. Is just you know a homage to the the movie series, and, mm. uh, and it's kind of charming in its primitivism, and you know, it's like, oh, here's another way you can destroy an ad at. Let's just show it. Um, and so, sort of like everything in that first thirty minutes that seems a little off to me or a little silly i kind of can forgive yes i agree with that no i agree i completely agree. i mean you know, there are things that make me chuckle like you say the um the throwing the grenade inside at some random port it's like everything has this sort of the exhaust port of the death star like it, and that, that's got a hole you throw things into and it's like the art deco trim of the empire is the exhaust yeah. port it's, yeah. just, it's yeah. part of their you know aesthetic Exactly. I mean, I love the fact that, like, by throwing that in, it blows up the head. That's the bit that I love. Like, he throws in a grenade, and then the head explodes. Of the, the, part, the The head doesn't explode. The head, what I thought, is, like, so it falls down, and it's like, oh, it's disabled. Clearly, the stormtroopers inside are going to starve, are going to die in the cold. Mm. Except then a ship comes along and blasts it in the neck, yeah. and it explodes. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. If you just had to blast it from, like... Yeah, you could, a, could you not have done that angle, before? Like, why haven't you been firing at the neck? Like, yeah. what? It, surely, it falling over doesn't make the neck more vulnerable. There, but it's one of these like, oh, it's a very Lucas thing. Like, it's, yeah. it's like, oh, it's already defeated. Logically, this is the end. But we need to give that visual show that it's defeated. So let's just have something come along and blast it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm quite comfortable. Like you say, it's a little silly, but I, I agree. It's a way you can forgive it. I mean, yeah, the whole thing of I, wrapping wrapping a cord around the, the, the legs of an atat. The first time that happens, the Empire should be like, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Design flaw. <laughs> okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. The first moment they're like, we can be defeated by a skipping rope. All right, that's not good. <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah. you know, yeah. Instantly, Darth Vader's like, bring me the man who designed the yeah. ad <laughs> Just jokes into death. Yeah. The number of the engin- well, that's why the ad was designed. It's because he's murdered all the good engineers. His management style 
needs a lot to be desired. Yeah, the people that are left were just sort of like, you know, you weren't engineers at all. There was just sort of like some like ensign that was just like, I don't know, it walks. I don't know, build that. That's the true story behind the exhaust boards. Yeah. Rogue One. It's like every, all the good engineers are dead. No one wanted to take responsibility for it, so they all gave it to the poor person that was on a uh, sort of um, apprenticeship. Give it to the apprentice. <laughs> Yeah, like the the Empire's just like answering the Galactic Craigslist ads, going to, like you know, like you know, like, uh, you know, engineer wanted for design work for next movie's toys. Uh, odds of survival twenty percent. Yeah, um, but it's one of those weird things, like you say. It's clear that these were designed because at at is an all-terrain vehicle. That's the point of it. Mm-hmm. It's clearly not very all-terrain. It looks good. Mm-hmm. I love the. I do love the design. I do love. Yeah. Um, the, the walkingness of it, and I love the way it is. Even what I would say is because it's obviously doing stop motion, it's done with it's obviously this is pre CGI, so it's all it looks as you said, there are still things that haven't aged great, but I still love all those kinds of special effects. And it's when you sort of look at sort of the way that they've considered the way that the almost at like the hips of the machine, the way the attacks move and stuff is really well thought out. And I love, I love just watching them, I'm like, oh, this looks really cool when you see them coming across the snow field i'm just like yeah this looks cool because the, the one thing i would say is what i like about this is again star wars i love the resistance are all in trenches mm. you know there's very much they sort of got that sort of first world war they're all stuck in trenches firing out of this, those, those sort of things they're embedded in to the land trying to defend that uh, uh, uh the power convert or the energy thing sort of and then you have this much greater force literally just stomping its way towards them it, it's a really cool visual and it sort of works for me. It's like, oh, Christ, these are the stakes. These little people, this res- small resistance force against this massive might of this mechanical empire really looks kind of cool. And so it makes me, it does make me think of it that way. That's a very good point. And I think that the thing that most of all I fault Star Wars for, and there's a lot that, you know, I criticize Star Wars for, but the thing that I think it most fails at is its number one fundamental job which is to portray the resistance as the underdogs. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it fails it on every level to do that, right? I mean, you know, our guys are main characters. They're just untouchable. They can, you know, wander wherever they want. You know, I mean, take down anyone they want, get away scot-free. The soldier, the stormtroopers are terrible shots to such a degree. <laughs> it's, you know. A comedy meme, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a meme. And so... You know, to me, that Haas sequence, you're right. It depicts um, it depicts the resistance as the underdogs. And I think one of the things that, you know, they're hiding. Mm, you know, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. key, first of mm. all. And then secondly, that the second this cool design little droid, you know, is, is found, it's like, oh, yeah, it's found us. Time to evacuate. There's no discussion of like, oh, yeah, we're going to fight them. It's just like, no, we are an inferior force hiding in the ice. Yes. Instantly, the call is evacuate. And that really gets across. And, and the goal is, like, let's get a couple ships carrying people out. Mm. And that becomes the issue. The issue isn't resistance, even. It's just save as many lives as we can. And that really make, makes you feel like, yeah, they're the underdogs. And I get the central dynamic of the story without which the story doesn't work. And yet... Star Wars is really terrible generally at depicting that, but the hospital does that great. It does. That's why I like it so much. Because the thing is, it, it does. It, it sort of falls off a cliff a little bit uh, with the escape. Because yeah. 
the fighting's been amazing. Um, I'm liking the sort of like you, you see that there is consequences, like people die. Luke loses his co-pilot. Like there, you know, yeah, that's like, awesome. Yeah, free him and he gets stomped on, and it's not graphic, but it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I know, like, there are kind of like people are going to die, like you say, they are an inferior force, and so that whole sort of first forty minutes, like, I really feel that. The moment I go, oh, a little bit, is they have, I don't know what they call it, like, there's a there's a gun, there's a weapon that they have, that they fire at one of the star cruisers or star destroyers, and all of a sudden that star destroyer is like, and sort of floats out the way, and one of their sort of escape ships is able just to sort of glide past and they're like they've got away yay and i'm like wait a minute there was like five of those before like where's everybody else what's going on and again all of a sudden it's like to move the plot forward the escape is now going to be incredibly easy and everyone else gets away but that's such that's the star wars state right <laughs> yeah, i know, you know but yeah it's such it's, it right, almost feels, it is ridiculous and, and it, it feels unsatisfying yeah why do you fire that sooner why didn't, I mean, you got this cool gun. Why why not just fire that at the Star Destroyers? Yeah. Um, I mean, what 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 I th- one of the things I thought watching this actually, which was and I've got to go back and watch it now, is watch The Last Jedi. The 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 um what's his face that did that one? It was clearly like aping this. Like this whole thing about the the the, the resistance being on the run and all this other stuff. I was like, oh, that is Empire Strike Back. I've and I've never really thought of like you know. I know people sort of said it, but I hadn't really made the full connection. But now for the first time, I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is definitely what they were going for. Um, and so yeah, it, I don't know. It just feels a bit like everything that begins it begins with sort of starts to tr- tail off into the sort of like. You're right, but let's talk about a, a couple more things that are really good about the Haas stuff and that the mm. movie is doing right. I mean, and let's be clear, like, the Haas stuff is not smart. It is not amazing mm. cinema, but it is, like, I wouldn't say campy. It's not really campy, but no. it's, like, updated movie serial done right. It's oh, yeah, definitely. Smart, it's just, like, good visual fun. It's a fun. It's a good adventure. It's really, it's yeah. It's a really well done adventure. Like I'm enjoying it. You know, Mm. you know, uh, sci-fi adventure serial. Mm -hmm. I'm on board. You know, looks great. Uh, Great design work. Um, I have so much like toy nostalgia from this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So (laughs) when they they're like release the tow cable. Yeah, I had that man. (laughs) Tow cable man. And it's stupid, but you know, he never had the at at to like tie around, and it wasn't really long enough. But uh, you know, the fact that they built that in came with a tow cable. Mm. Um, they, there was the, the tauntaun. There was the tauntaun toy that had the like soft plastic stomach that you could nice. slit a guy up inside. <laughs> like that's so gruesome. <laughs> they would never make that today. But like, no. <laughs> bless the eighties. Bless the 80s for the oh, things they did. <laughs> It's like it's like a step away from having you know the the Sunday morning cartoons of the adventures of Slit Open Tantan. You know, like yeah. the nineteen eighties were weird uh, yeah. in a wonderful way. Um, and even like that little stupid like gun emplacement on Hoth, mm. just like you know a little stand with a fixed gun on top. But you know there was a toy for that. I had mm-hmm. that toy. What? What? How did you play with that toy? We did. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you just. <laughs> Position it and it stays still and fires straight ahead. Yeah. How did you play with that? We didn't. We we had no practical function, but it looks cool, and we needed that toy. Yeah. I 
yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's, um, there, there is that, because I was, I never really had the Star Wars toys. I was never that sort of, I know people who did. <clears throat> but yeah, there, there is so much in this. Like I say, the design element of this is interesting in the sense of, um, I know that, like, you know, Lucas took, uh, toy rights and merchandising rights in sort of lieu of payment for the for the whole sort of franchise sort of thing, and it's quite clear that he's obviously you know he's not stupid he's he's very bright you know very clearly sort of um, him and Macquarie sort of came up with these things and like that's cool and can be made into a toy that one maybe not so much right leave that one do this like they figured that out as to what could be the toys I mean the figures are obviously sort of like you know um, notorious for not just having your sort of your main characters but like you know fifth gungan from the left sort of kind of thing where it's sort of like you know they've given the whole backstory um but this does have some really good design elements where you would go like, i remember i remember seeing the at toy and being like that is that's something i want like that was was amazing um i had as like a, a therapist's office that i went to as a as a kid and i don't uh, even remember why like my family <laughs> was in therapy i don't know it was in california it was in pasadena why were we in therapy i don't know but all I know is that therapist's office had an at at toy in the waiting room, and <laughs> my brother and I played the hell out of that at at toy. That's what we talked about. Like we probably went <laughs> there, and they're like, "Are you being hit, kids?" And we're like, "Ah, I don't know. We'll have to find hitting." I don't remember that shit. That didn't matter. What mattered yeah. is I had that at at for like twenty minutes. Yeah, you're like, I you know, want to go into the therapy appointment. Show me on the, show me on the doll what happened. You're like, can I can I do it on the at at? Can I bring the at at? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, no. Turn gonna turn you know I will tell you but <laughs> only on the ad ad and can I take it home? <laughs> yeah, no, it is and this this whole sort of section and this whole section like I say is such a, a um, you know and also put it on on a, a snow planet and everything else like yeah I, I do I do like the idea that this and this is a, a sci-fi trope that, that 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 sort of plagues not just Star Wars but many like Star Trek has has done it for decades as well. This thing where they land on a planet and like this this four mile square place that they're going to visit mm-hmm. is how the entire planet is. So we're going to refer to this as the desert planet, the ice planet, you know, whatever. And you're like, no, th- like you, you look out your window, <laughs> like. Planet, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, granted, in the solar system, we can say like, oh, okay, you know, like Venus is cloudy and incredibly hot, right? Mm. But I mean, yeah, there is. What's worse is like, oh, this is the prison planet. This is yeah. you know, like <laughs> Genosha. That's the clone planet. You just like, like the the entire planet. Fair enough. Right, it's like you know when you want a car, you buy it from the car planet, <laughs> and when you you know have trash, you send it to the trash planet. And if you want in- furniture, you buy that from IKEA planet. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a little silly. Yeah, but like I, you know, and I like the way they try and sort of. Um, they make them smaller, so in like in Return of the Jedi, it's a forest moon, and you're still going like, all right, <laughs> like I'm still I'm still not buying that, but fair enough. Um, oh, but it looks it looks cool. Mm-hmm. It looks cool, and I'm quite happy to accept that. Um, and also, I think the characters are clicking much more than in the original. Yes, um, definitely. I, I think the characters work, especially in the first thirty minutes. You know, we're still mm-hmm. that. But I mean, first of all, Han is amazing. Like yeah. Harrison Ford, like. Is just a guy he sleepwalks through that first one. He is suddenly just like, you know, a macho adventurer. He's the best Flash Gordon we've ever had. You know, I mean, he's got that swagger. He and he, you know, just belts out like, you know, 
they're like, oh, it's dangerous out there, you know. And he's like, you know, that's right, and my friend's out in it, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, then I'll see you in hell. He's just you know, like, like, yeah. oh my god, he's such a like fifties adventurer sci-fi <laughs> character, and he pulls it off. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. This is the Han that I think people remember. Like everyone talks about New Hope, but this is the Han that people go, mm-hmm. oh, this is the Han Solo that we remember. This is the one that does all this stuff. It's it, he's a lot more interesting in this film than th- throughout the film. Like Harrison Ford sort of gets it. I mean, what what's interesting is um, this is 1980, and obviously, sort of the following year, he would be Indiana Jones, yeah. and. This version of Han Solo is much closer to um, the character we play. You know, the, the gruff, especially of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is this is closer to that Raiders of the Lost Ark Han Solo, uh, Indiana Jones. And so I, I like that he's obviously gone. This is the character that I can play, you know, and do well. That gruff, and you know, he's accepting his gruffness a little bit, which I, I think really endears me to the character a bit more. However. He is, although he's better, and I really enjoy him in a lot of this film. There are parts where I'm a bit like, okay, it's becoming a little one note. (laughs) Yes. Oh, of course, absolutely. But I mean, let's be clear: Indiana Jones is like that too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I'd accept that to an extent. Maybe one day we'll come. No, I mean, what you're saying, but but the thing is, like, he's part of an ensemble cast, and his job is to be the like lovable rogue who. You know, I mean, it is funny how quickly he turns from I'm getting out of here, princess, to my friends are in trouble. I'm staying, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think for the most part, that works. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like a heart of gold inside there, but it's wide. It's never really, you know, stated. Um, I mean, you're you're right. It's one note. And especially, but he's in an ensemble cast. He doesn't have as much time. Where I think it feels more one note is where everything is a joke about Princess Leia. And yes. everything is just like, he's That's sort of from awesome. the rogue character to the like, come on, girl, you know you want it. <laughs> you know, yes. Where it's like, oh, a little yeah. too gruff, maybe. Yeah, oh, you've you've, you've escalated to sex pest. Okay, that's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. We need to talk about that. Yeah. Hey, um, Princess, you've got a problem with my hands on you? I mean, he never quite says that stuff, but it's always like... Kind of up to the line. Yeah, and it, it has that. And, and this is where you go back to that idea of it being, like you say, the 50s serial and, and those sort of things. Like there's a scene, <clears throat> the two scenes that sort of strike me uh, is that one you mentioned before when he goes out to save uh, Luke. And I do love it. Like he jumps on the tauntaun and he's like, I'll see you in hell. And he sort of rides <laughs> out. Sort of, like you are like, yeah, that's sort of like, you know, very, um, you know, I can imagine that in sort of like those serials of sort of Flash Gordon or Butt Rogers, and it's it's very much that space adventure. Even just as a quick note, want to say that's that he pulls yeah. it off, and that's not the same heart from the last movie. No, no, he's very different, and, and, and like I say, much even the cutting open of like the Tantan and to put Luke in there and stuff like is is you know it, it, he's um, um, you know what's we're looking for sort of resilient, and he sort of knows what he's doing. He's not just a rogue. Yeah, but he's not just a road pilot. Like he knows stuff. Like you get the fact he's a survivor. Like he knows how to do stuff. Like you more so than in the first film. You know, like it feels like he's he's an. You feel like there's a history there. Like even between him and and like him and Chewbacca in the first film are sort of like you know they're good. But this one is where it feels like there's a real sort of history and relationship between them. The way they sort of talk to each other and stuff about the Falcon. 
really works. And so, but there's also like he has an, an element of humor to him that I think mm. is, is works as well. Like there's a moment when they're obviously you know arguing about the Falcon and um, C, uh, yeah, C3PO says about something needs fixing, and he's like, oh, whatever, you you know, like you yeah. you tin moron. And then sort of next, but he sort of says to Chewie, he's like, yeah, we should probably change this sort of uh, do them as well. And C3PO sort of looks over his shoulder, like, hang on. Um, yeah, there's little moments like that where I'm like, okay, he, he is that guy. Like I get who he is. Like he's like so he, his machoism is who he is. Like that's how he sort of you know he yeah, but, sees but, it himself in that way. Unlike the present day macho and kind of like you know get your politics out of my Star Wars kind mm. you know versions of macho characters. Like you're saying, the the movie takes the piss out of him. You know, it yeah. has him shows he's kind of ridiculous. You know, that macho oh. meet that macho is like yeah. It comes up, yeah, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like it comes up again and again. Like you say, the film sort of, and the others sort of, even like the fact that Leia is able to see him for what he for what he is, um, yeah. is nice. I think that's why I like the relationship, their relationship a little bit. Like like you say, it goes to the line, and the bit where he actually kisses her is a little bit rapey. But I'm like, yeah. but I'm still like, you know, I get the why. First time yeah yeah Yeah. and i'm a bit like okay but i i get why there's an attraction there like it's clear why she is frustrated because she obviously has a mission she has a goal in life and she's put there she's dedicated herself to the resistance and he's almost like a distraction and i I honestly feel and this could be just headcanon the way i'm reading it like part of her frustration with him is a frustration with herself that she's like i can't be attracted to this guy like he's a distract he's an idiot and he's a distraction and i've got to i'm committing myself to this other thing um, well, she even says, I like nice guys, you know? Yeah. She wants it to be true. It's obviously not true, right? No, exactly. Like she's trying to convince herself just as much as everybody else. And, and she's a princess, right? She, she yeah, exactly. She like nice guys. Yeah. And so I like that, that like, she's the same. Like, you know, Leia in this is much more... One, one of the things I find in this is that, like, the, the characters overall are much less whiny. <laughs> Good point. Um than they are all sort of like screech, you know, there was a little bit of like whininess to them in the first, in New Hope, I'm personally honest. All of them. There's that that's all pretty much gone. And they felt like, it's like woe is me is on, you know, and that's exactly like she because Leia feels much more like she's in command. Like she feels like she's she's got the weight of the world on her shoulders and she's sort of like, you know, there's a frustration about all of it. So I get it. And I, I think I think uh Carrie Fish is actually very good at sort of portraying that at times. Um let's come back to that for a second. Uh what was the second Han scene that you said you think of all the time? The first being "I'll see you in hell" going out. Oh, the, the second one is 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 that thing that sort of feels much more like Han is that thing when, like, say they're on the the the, the Falcon and C three PO points out that something has to be done oh. to fill things, and he sort of he says he's, he basically he's, he's mean to C three PO, but then sort of like uh, says to Chewbacca, he's like, "Oh, while well, you're up there, we need to change the whatever converters." <clears throat> and again, I like the fact that yeah, you were going to say the second scene would be. Um, Right, right as he's frozen, which is one of the real highlights of the, you know, uh, last hour and a half. Um, you know, that stuff works uh, really well for me. Mm. But, you know, Princess Leia, and I was watching with a friend of mine, and uh, Princess Leia says, you know, I love you, and it's this desperate, like, you may be about to die. It works. Yeah. You know, I don't know how, but it, it works. And he says, I know. And my, my friend, who's a woman, well, you know, laughed and said, you know, what? You know, he's yeah. such a dick. You know, exactly? you're what? about to die. And you use what that as an dick. opportunity. Yeah. To be like, yeah, you know, I know I'm that guy. It's, you know? it's, it's one step away from I told you so. Yeah. 
Yeah. No. You know, I love you. I know you do. I told you so. Yeah. I've been trying to I've been trying to get that admission out of you for like two years. It's it's a weird because some people hold it up as like a really romantic moment, but I'll be honest with you, that it's never worked for me. It's always been a bit like, oh, that's a real dick moment. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> well, see, I, I but, had a conversation with my friend exactly about that, and I was like, well, <laughs> isn't this this is like the romantic thing of like the bad boy, right? Yeah, and, you know, yeah, he doesn't always give that emotional satisfaction. He withholds it, but then he gives it a little bit later and doles it out here and there, and. Obviously, that can be seen as abusive and terrible, but that can also be seen as like, well, no, that's James Dean or that's, you know, sort of a track. That's what they're going for. Oh, no, without that. And I think this has to be taken in the context of the time. Like, I guess it's 1980, but this is clearly referencing that sort of like rebel without a cause kind of character. Like, So I understand that, like the Marlon Brando of, of you know, of the 50s <laughs> and stuff, like, you know. The Parsec like, run. Yeah, like Streetcar Named Desire is, you know, I can imagine, you know, well, think of like, you know, the other films he made, like, you know, think of um, what's the 50s film he made with Ron Howard in, um, George Lucas made. Um, God damn it. Who's he he now? Dean? No, George Lucas made that film that's sort of like based in sort of the 50s and stuff. uh, American Graffiti. American Graffiti, like, you know, yeah. You can see that's clearly on his mind, yeah. like th- th- those sorts of characters, and so like those characters, you know, that Marlon Brando, James Dean, sort of like you know, uh, is clearly a outsider. You know. Exactly, like that rebel sort of is clearly there, and so it's all part and parcel of it. So I accept that's what it's there for, but it's whether sort of like you still think like, yeah, all right, I I, I like you because you're a cool, yeah, you know, rebel. And you go fair enough. <laughs> but there are other scenes actually that I think that um, that I find. Han Solo more appealing in and it is those moments where you do sort of like you know they do reveal his not so much his idiocy but they poke fun at him or there's a vulnerability there um the fact he's the one that gets tortured um and stuff and you see him sort of like you know you hear him screaming like it's not like a sort of like you know um it could have gone the other way where it's sort of like you know you will never get anything out of me kind of gruffness but no no he is tortured and you hear him sort of screaming like they break to an extent like they hurt they harm han solo like you know um and when he's returned like he's battered and stuff so i like that that, that again like he's not invincible he's like you said like you know they they, they do the things they need to do and sometimes it's easier than it should be mm-hmm. but i like the fact in this film that they do they give him a right kick in like the characters get a bit of a beating and it's it makes them much more endearing. Well, let's be clear. You know, to be a true Star Wars movie, you have to have a torture. Um, yeah. You know, it was Leia in the first one, and it's mm-hmm. and you know that's just a trope, and it's just sad that that's died. Um, well, the thing that struck me is Han. Like, I don't know that it did. What didn't work for me is Han just goes back to his cell. He, you're right. He's clearly. Oh, he recovers very quickly. Yeah, he recovers very quickly. That's true of Leia in the first one. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. why do either of these scenes exist? They don't advance the plot at all. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly like the Empire's bad and they like torture, you know. And I wonder, you know, I mean, I would say, like, I wonder if anyone saw this in the Bush administration. But then you had, you know, uh, you know, Cheney saying, we've got to go to the dark side and beat Darth Vader. So mm. they clearly had and thought this was a good idea. Um but what struck me is like Han saying, uh, they never even asked me anything. Yeah. Um, which 
sounds like such a great kind of like badass, you know, line badass, not about him, but about like the empire is just like, Oh, this is, they're bad. They're torturing for the sake of torture. But then you think, why wouldn't you ask anything? You're searching for Luke. Like what is going on? At the well, the movie? I think this is, I'm so, I've taken it as a, I've taken that as a bit of a thing as, so in my head, he knows it's a bit like to me, he's looking at the other characters and obviously like, you know, let's say who's got that. He knows he's got Leia, like Darth Vader knows he's got Leia. He's already got, had run-ins with her. And so he's like, okay, well, I, I don't, I don't know what this, this person knows, but, there's no point, maybe like you know, maybe it, maybe it is that gruff thing of acknowledging of sort of like, well, I can't torture information out of him, but if I torture him, it might break the others. Sort of like you know, it's that fear factor, that sort of like you know, that sort of trying to sort of induce. Um, maybe because like, but that's not explained. Stop, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me putting it in there. That, yeah, that's not in the film. Yeah, um, I just, I just, I mean, that that is a possible explanation, and it makes sense. I mean, of course, if you're going to do that, you'd probably torture Leia, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, to make Han. But he's already done that one in the previous film. They can't keep doing that in every film. They can't keep torturing. Leia's, can you yeah. imagine what people would say? Like, yeah. they torture Leia in every movie. Yeah. So he gets tortured in the first two films, and then in the third one, she's forced into a bikini. Like, you know, yeah, they, they would, it probably wouldn't stand up in any way. Yeah. One of the things, let's talk about sort of that, though, because there's another character that sort of becomes important at this point. And obviously, you know, because they are caught on, uh, you know, is it Vespin, the, the Cloud City. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously, that's where they are captured, and that's where, like, Han is tortured and that sort of thing. So we meet Lando Calrissian, the, and, and the joke being originally, like, the only black guy in the, in the Star Wars universe at one point. Just one black guy and one woman. Yeah, that was it. Uh, until you know, well, you got Mon Mothra, so they've got others, there's other people, but like, yeah, very rare. Are they about, but. Lando is an interesting character, and again, watching it this time, I was sort of like umming and ahhing. So they talk, and this is where I think there's another thing than this. These obviously we're watching the special editions. These are the upgraded versions. So when you look out the window, like uh, Cloud City is much larger than it's ever it was in the originals. Mm-hmm. But there's a moment when he talks about how oh, we're only we're only a small mining operation, and I'm looking out the window going like, no, you're a vast city. <laughs> you're huge. Like this is ridiculous. But you were a small mining operation in 1980. You've yeah. clearly grown since then. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going like, yeah, I'm thinking in 2022, like a small mining operation is probably three guys. Like, you know, nowadays, like there's no mining going on. But um, one of the things I note is he's obviously, you know, they know him as a scoundrel and he was a con artist. He was original owner of the Falcon. And through prequels, we've now got all that information. And I don't give a shit about it. But. He's obviously escalated to this point of being the um, responsible party of this this mining colony. Like these people, he is responsible for them. Mm-hmm. And so there's this thing where they keep talking about him being a traitor. So he he has this. He makes an agreement with uh, the Empire. They turn up and force like Darth Vader turns up with stormtroopers in this colony, and he is given a choice where they're basically saying like, look. You either give us what we want, or we are going to become very heavily involved in the running of your people's lives. And but you know, Leia was like, "You're a traitor. You're a you know, you betrayed us." And but watch it. This is the first time I've watched it and gone, "Yeah." But he so he sacrificed you, but to save an entire population. Yeah. 
of a, of a like, he made the right choice. I'm sorry, but like you know, well, who we mo- but again, it's like the trick of you don't see the stormtroopers' faces, right? So mm-hmm. they're not entities. It's okay to kill. Um, in the same in the same way, you don't see the population of clouds. Well, you do, but like, you, yeah, you you see people, but you don't get to know anyone. I know you're not given yeah. sort of like you know, you're not give, they're not given a name, right? Yeah, I mean, but still, our guys are our guys, and he's a traitor to our guys, right? And mm-hmm. this is the problem of narrative of having protagonists, you know, mm-hmm. they just inherently are uh, right, correct, you know, yeah. But, but no, that, yeah, but I mean, this I, I, this time it bothered yeah. me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I like Lando. I mean, you know, you're right about that, though. I mean, you know, I mean, the the whole Lando Han thing, I think, works pretty well. Mm. You know, one thing that doesn't work well for me is, I mean, you know, I mean, at this point, the plot is so much more convoluted than the actual story, <laughs> right? Like, yes. The actual story is they leave Hoth. Luke goes one place. The other guys run away for a long time and get caught. Mm-hmm. A couple different settings, but they just run away and get caught, right? Yeah. And then Luke shows up and tries, kind of saves them and gets, you know, his hand chopped off. Right, that's that's the whole story. I mean, not a lot there, but like, okay, so the Empire found them because Boba Fett, who had a toy come out two years previously, so they had to do something with him. You know, <laughs> follows him in Slave One, no longer Slave One, and. Um, Apparently, Darth Vader having to sending guys into this stupid, stupid, you know how much I hate the asteroid belt that's like, yeah, no chance of getting through here. Yeah, you know, I mean, the asteroids, you know, how have these not disintegrated by now? You know, so stupid, mind bogglingly dumb. And then the space worm that, you know, you know how much I hate that bothers me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything dumb in Star Wars. And then you know, hiding on the ship, you know, I mean, it's so stupid. <laughs> that thing of detach, yeah, being attacked, atta- like, they don't have sensors on board the ship that detects something's attached to it, and then they just, like, detach and become part of the trash. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> that's not good. Um, what it, Yeah, no, it's, there's that, uh, I always think of um, uh, MacGruber. Uh there's mm. MacGruber where he sends the woman in disguise into the into the uh, warehouse, and instantly they say, that, "Hold on a minute, that's not Bob." <laughs> no, it's yeah. shooting instantly. <laughs> like you know, oh, I just wanted somebody to yell, "Hold on a minute, that's a Millennium Falcon behind us." <laughs> like how do you yeah. not have sensors? You know, the, oh, that giant piece of trash was the ship. How did they not look outside the ship? How do you not have cameras outside the ship? You know, I mean, it's just, it's, and you know, and I know what they've done. It's crystal clear. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I, I mean, that's just, it's too stupid. Yeah, that whole section, the running section from the South Story is, is not good. It feels, it feels, um, like you say, serial silly. Like, that's where it's sort of like, oh, okay, that's what, that's what's happening here. And I, that's where I sort of feel it drops off. Like, I lose interest at that point, to be honest. It's not, it's not good. Yeah, and and then we see the you're right, and then we see the um, uh, Vader's brought in the bounty hunters, and you know, like you have multiple star destroyers. What are these bounty hunters? Why are you paying like a team of like three, four people? You know, like I'm a reptilian. I'll do what your star destroyers have it. You know, like what was the point of this? Oh, wait, to sell a Boba Fett figure. Yeah, and 
you know, and then he followed. He's like, oh, I noticed I look at trash. My special skill is to look at trash. Put that on my file card. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, again, this is the first time, as I say, watching it with this sort of with a certain thoughts and process. I did. I was like, why have you? I thought the same. I was like, why have you brought in bounty hunters? Like, there's no sort of like you know, because in 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 some you know, whenever you see this in modern films, like they do an action film and they'll have like you know, like a black ops team or you know, like a contract or something. They're like, they do the things that we officially can't do. And yet I'm going like, but you can't say that about the Empire because Darth Vader literally kills people at the drop of a hat and then reinstates somebody else as the Admiral. Like, there are no rules. Like, it's clear, like, you know, there's no real bureaucracy in it. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And they're quite happy to have, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, we learn that they've got, like, death troopers and all this other stuff. Like, he could have this within his own military organisation that this thing exists. So mm -hmm. I don't know why the bounty hunters are there. They, they are such a bizarre anomaly now to me. <laughs> In this thing where I'm like, you know, because someone says, like, even one of the military guys says, like, you know, um, he says to one of us, I don't know, you know, we've got this, what is it, like, scum, like, well, why have we got bounty hunters? And I'm going, I don't know. I really don't know. I, <laughs> I can't answer your right. question. Well, and, and then we see uh, Boba Fett briefly, just he doesn't have a word of dialogue, but just, you know, with uh, Darth Vader on Cloud City. And the implication is he called Vader. Yeah. And... There are stormtroopers we know on the city previously because they shot C-3PO mm -hmm. on screen. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we don't see any of them until after Vader is revealed. And Vader seems to have come with a very small contingent because they yeah. hid it from that. Like, you know, that seems very out of character. Um, you know, and it's like Vader has come to Cloud City mostly for the reveal with him at the head of a dinner table. Which is like, I kind of love that visual, but it's all oh, it's great. It's a great visual for it. Yeah, it it's to a... say, sit down, Han. Well, we have a lot to talk about. You know, so, so sort of like yeah, stroking an imaginary mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a great reveal. I mean, I love it. As you know, when Han shoots and he sort of blocks the blast of you know, mm. um, and he pulls the gun out of his hand. I do. I love all that. It actually looks great. But again, there's a part of me that's sort of saying like, you invaded. Um, the the what's it you know the shit at the start of the last film at the start the, yeah. at the very start of, of New Hope you literally invade a sort of like um, a ship <laughs> and storm it with stormtroopers yeah. and like now, but now you're negotiating with a mining colony like I don't understand like how that's a good point well, yeah Why did you even give Lando the choice yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I, I still, like, I don't understand that reveal. It, it, it seems to me like it's so, it is theatrical. I like it the same way you do. But then I think, why is he doing this himself? Why is he at the head of a table? It feels to me like it's about to set up a dinner scene. Mm. You know? and, and, and that scene inevitably is going to have the dialogue. Like, tell us where Leia is. Where's Leia? Oh, Luke. Yeah, yeah. Say, like, I don't know, Han. Do you like the chicken? Do yeah. you? Do yeah. you? Yeah, it needs some. The thing is, it should. It should. This is where I, I know we rewrite these things, but you're right. This needs to be a scene where they go in and there is a, a like, and it shouldn't be between Han. It should be between. This should be the confrontation between Leia and Darth Vader. Exactly. This should be that thing of like you know where he's like, I can do terrible things, and she's like, Yeah, fuck no, you destroyed my home planet. Like you know, like. Right, which is never you know, mentioned again. Yeah, yeah like th this should be that confrontation between the leaders 
of the, the opposing forces, like Leia versus, and it, you know, the fact that I'm right, I'm a rebel. You destroyed my home planet, right? Exactly. Yeah, like yeah, you could. You tortured me. Would be nice to mention again. Yeah, you create. Or, or if you really want to go to cliche, like you created me, kind of thing. Like you know, you, and then to sort of like you know, so when the reveal comes later that she is Vader's daughter, retrospectively, that that scene has more impact. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it feels sort of like this is where it sort of you know it feels like it's um. Yeah, they, they they sort of just wanted the, the reveal, but like there's a real missed opportunity there that I think would have been really cool to have that confrontation. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm we've gone down the sort of the Han and Leia route, and I sort of feel like I want to sort of just finish it, wrap that up briefly because I want to go to to Luke. But um, talk about this stuff, obviously they, you know because the, then um, Han is um, frozen in carbonite, another great image, very iconic. Um, it's a very cool idea. I like the fact that um, there's a great. This is another thing about sort of like the you know Boba Fett and the, and, and the Empire. So they have this thing of carbonite. They use it for freezing parts, part of the mining process, um, for the transportation of things like that. And there's a great thing when he is going to be sort of frozen carbonite. They don't know that it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, I'm confused by that. Like, how do they not know? I mean, well, they've never frozen a person. They actually say like that's not what it's for. And so because. Oh, what he wants to do is he so the idea is I think from so my well, this might sound so I'm going to roll this out. Darth Vader wants to freeze Luke in it because that will nullify his Jedi power, so he can then transport him to the em, uh, to the Emperor. That's the purpose. But they want to test it on someone, so they're going to test it on Han. And then so that's like, look, if it works, you've got an easy person to transport for. Um, if not, we'll pay you. Right. Yeah, but if, and if if, if and I like that bit where he's like, well, if it doesn't work the empire will compensate you. So I kind of like that. That like Han's just a test. This whole sort oh, of yeah. scene. Dramatic. And I, I like that sort of like, it's, it makes it even more. Um, menacing. Menacing. That like, he's just, you know, he's being dismissed as a test subject. He's a guinea pig for this process. So I kind of like that as well. That again, that goes back to the sort of like the sinister nature of the empire. Um, it's kind of cool. The darkness of this movie that like, yeah, you know, him going to be frozen is like a doctor regeneration scene. Like it's a, it's a quasi death scene, mm. uh, you know, and it's played out like that in the same way. Um, you know, and I, I think it works remarkably well. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I do, you know, I do wonder like, is this the, you know, it works for me that it's, you know, you're not important. Obviously Luke is important. And at this point it's clear, but you know, in the parallel narrative, like has been told, like, oh no, your friends are in jeopardy because of you, right? Yeah. But also, like, screw them. The mission matters more, and they know. That. Mm. But you know, so it only makes that even more clear that he's the guinea pig. Mm. Uh, I do kind of wonder, like, is it the most efficient thing to transport a Jedi and Corvoid? I mean, does that not need another sentence explanation or something? Um, Probably it needs a bit more, but but yeah. But I like the fact that with my head cannon, I can I can fill that in. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I like all that, and obviously that sort of fills out the sort of the you know the layer and Han sort of story because then they 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 rebel and, and and they jump on the, um, you know, Lando sort of you know redeems himself, but in doing so, ruins Cloud City. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it, which highlights even more that he was right in the first place. But you say that, except. My problem with that is, you know, it gets back to, like, Vader as, like, the worst leader ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, he's supposed to be scary. But, I mean, 
you know, nobody's going to work for somebody who, when they say, right, I can't find this guy, they kill you. They say, yeah. apology accepted. <laughs> you know, like, you know, nobody's going to work for this dude. I mean, everybody's going to hear that story and be like, right, we're passing Endor soon. I'm getting off and I'm yeah. going to AWOL. Yeah. You know? Well, what I would say is, this is, again, the first, I've watched these obviously a number of times, but th that scene and when he kills the Admiral and stuff, knowing the, the prequels, I'm still not a massive fan of the, of the prequels, but that petulance and impetuousness and sort of like, you know, uh, dickiness, dickheadedness of, of sort of um, Hayden Christian sort of like uh, Anakin Skywalker feels authentic now that I'm watching this, where I'm going like, oh no, this totally feels like I can see that now. That there is that set that is the same character that would do that kind of thing, where he's just like, I have the power and I'm just do whatever I want, sort of thing. It feels like a similar character. Um, doing one, yeah, doing one liners after someone's died though feels a little bit, a little less like kill someone's like, you know, apology accepted. There's nobody else in the room where I'm just like, I'm just like oh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, I also think like, you know, the same way that I'm troubled by, uh, you know, by the sequels not dealing with, not, not having the most basic courage imaginable, which is to deal with the rebels actually having to govern. Mm -hmm. You know, I am always troubled, I was always troubled by Darth Vader not um, seeming to have any concern for what it takes to actually lead anything. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, I mean, it wouldn't take much for him to say, like, uh, you know, some sort of like Machiavellian stuff, like people, it's much better to be feared than loved. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't take much to kind of indicate something there. Look, his philosophy, his leadership philosophy. Right. And, and so to to the point that you were making about Cloud City, I think, you know, you say like, well, uh, Lando's made a good deal, but it's not a good deal because any <laughs> deal you make with Vader is he's going to welch upon. He's going to, you know, once he's in. Which he actually says. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's even acknowledges that. Deal again. Yeah. So I get that. Like, you made a deal with the devil. You know, this is the devil. He's a horrible manager. He's never going to keep his word. I mean, he's like the opposite of the Roman Empire, right? Like, you <laughs> hate the Roman Empire. But it is going to keep its deal with you, and it will destroy you if you fight it. But if you make a deal with it, it will respect you and give you a, 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 the amount of freedom that it has promised you. On the yes. Other hand, right. But if the Roman Empire said, yeah, no, forget that deal. Not that it never did. But, you know, and then it's just an evil empire that everybody would fight. Mm -hmm. Should have. So I don't know. I mean, I, I feel. But and this, and this comes back to the thing we've always said that, you know, well, I think. We've said this about when we've ever seen these dystopian futures is sort of you need to see the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. You need to see the people that are benefiting, like who lives in the sort of like, you know, who lives in the central of this empire that's actually benefiting and actually doing kind of well. Because otherwise it's like you say, it's just a complete broken bureaucracy and everyone would fight it. So mm -hmm. you need to see the people that are better profiteering and benefiting from this, like who's living the life of luxury. Um, yeah, we're only seeing the military of the empire, right? Mm. I mean, this is the, it's like, you, you know, you're only seeing the soldiers. You're not seeing, you know, that all the planets that are running, uh, the trains run on time. Which makes me wonder about the motivation of the em of the Emperor, like the Sith Lord. I mean, like, what's really his motivation? Is it to make everything as shit as possible? Or is it actually, like, working somewhere? Like, I don't get the point. So let's talk about the Emperor. There's no Emperor in the first one. No. Not mentioned. Really. Out of nowhere... 
Yeah. Darth Vader just uh, says, move the ship out of the asteroid field so we can make a clear transmission, which is more dumb than you can imagine. You know, yeah. like, it, it, you know, I don't know how they, an asteroid field isn't a collection of asteroids 20 feet apart, <laughs> uh, but it also, the asteroid field doesn't screw with your transmissions. But anyway, then you have this emperor suddenly introduced, you know, and he's, and the emperor says, Anakin Skywalker. How could that be? Says Vader. None of this is natural dialogue if Anakin is Darth Vader, right? Yeah. They would not, I mean, it, it seems so stilted and absurd to retcon the Emperor in here, in this scene, and then have this horribly stilted dialogue if the film knows what's going to be revealed by the end. Well, this is, this is where, this is where this film is, is one of the biggest continuity blockers for the for the prequels as well as you know you know i've said about the character of vader sort of being okay i can see that version of anakin but you're right in the sense that like you know there are several points in the first one we've been told about that uh, anakin skywalker was a great pilot and died in the you know fighting and all this other stuff was killed by vader um and then in this one you know we get a notion that um obi-wan was trained by yoda we'll get to that uh, but then also, like you say, this whole thing of of um, who Vader is, and you know, obviously, it's then revealed later on in the, the end of the film, he is Anakin Skywalker. You know, I am your father. That's not the dialogue that was said by Chris Prowse, um, or sorry, Dave Prowse, uh, when oh, he was uh, when he was filming. But that's you know, granted, he had sort of like you know, broad Bristolian accent, and you know, knew he was going. But he the, he didn't know the like the prop script. What he says is, yes, I killed your father. That's what he said on set. And it wasn't until it was until he saw the film at the premiere that he was like that it was revealed that like, you know, only only um James Earl Jones knew that dialogue. So you're right, so the whole film is set up to keep this reveal, even from the people in the film. And so when you watch it back, you're a bit like, huh. Just it feels like it feels like they're trying to do that. It feels clunky enough that that's what they're trying to do. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the prequel thing with the, you know, actors acting on a green screen. And, and you know, I mean, Lucas gets blamed overly much for that because mm. there wasn't that much green screening in the prequels you know, no. compared to these days. But, you know, this whole trend of people not knowing what the hell they're reacting to. Um, I'm just having to say their lines in a void, um, you know, sort of begins here. And obviously, mm. he didn't direct this. It's not fair to throw this all. No, but he was a producer. He was he was influencing the story and that sort of thing. Like, he's there. But the whole revelation doesn't really work. And it mm. seems to me that, I mean, obviously, it's so famous. But it seems to me that it's so clear that the first movie does not know this. And it's so clear that most drafts of this movie, including much of the finished movie, does not know this reveal. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's interesting. Let's talk about Luke. Let's go back before we get to this reveal. Let's talk about Luke because obviously so we've talked about Luke at the beginning, being the sort of like you know he's much more in charge. He feels much more confident and and you know a different kind of character. He, he has grown. I like the fact that it shows growth and stuff. He's still doing sort of slightly whiny things, but what's interesting that the character that you get in the first forty minutes, this sort of like accomplished pilot and, and sort of like re- respected by the resistance and he you know he sort of made his connections and you see him with the pilots and you know whatever 
reverts to what we got from the first film once he gets to Dagobah. Mm-hmm. And it becomes it becomes very frustrating again where I'm like, hang on, what happened to the guy? We're getting that whiny 19-year-old again. Where's the guy that I've just seen fighting the resistance and fighting the thing? Now we've got this stroppy guy again who's sort of like, you know, oh, it's too hard, it's too big or whatever. Um, so we get to that. But the, the first thing, also, he goes to Dagobah, and this is another thing, sort of like, how does he find... It's a planet. All right, the planet of Dagobah. He just happens to crash land in the within a sort of a, a walking distance of where Yoda lives. <laughs> yes, so brilliant. I love that observation. But again, I'm like one line, one line could change that. Simply saying, you know, the I'm, the force is directing me to this part of the planet. Right. Yeah. This is where I believe Yoda is. <laughs> Done. Okay, I'm buying that because you've already we've shown that the force can do these things. So fine. But like yeah. to have no dialogue or anything to explain that, like just. Well, this is where the stupidity of Star Wars really shines, right? Mm. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's bad enough that you have this space worm in an asteroid. How the hell did that evolve in an asteroid? What is it feeding on to keep itself alive? Why is gravity inside the space worm sideways? I want this. What I want to know. <laughs> like seriously, you're in an asteroid. Why? Uh, yeah. Sideways. I mean, none of that's important because it's fantasy and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. And, you can, and we just talked about like the Haas sequence, how we are willing to forgive an awful lot. It's not that you have to be, you know, have physicists on staff that no. or something. But, you know, just like with the, you know, this point you're making, like this is not a planet they're visiting. This is a little set. This is a little area of a fantasy world. This is not really science fiction, you know. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's in these moments that you're pointing out where. The whole tapestry of Star Wars starts to break down for me. Mm. No, you're right, and that's like, when you say this is fantasy, that's what you accept. Like you've inside a dra- you you are you've gone inside the Great Whale, and that you know you can all you have to wear is a breather. Like you have to you haven't got to protect your eyes or your ears or anything like that. Like, the atmosphere, I, I don't know. And but, flying, like, there's an ecology of flying manta rays in there. Yeah, with inside yeah. this thing. Hmm. Um. But like going to Dagobah again, this thing of like you know they crash land and, um, you know they find Yoda and again like Yoda is, uh, this comedy, little, you know, um, green wizard, you know, like you said, like that's what that's what he is. Like this this feels like the fantasy thing. Like you know they've gone this thing and they've gone. Oh, we've got this race of of things like you know the Yoda is this is this, was this great Jedi, um, but. Th- the whole bit at the beginning, and this is where, again, I watch this time, because I've seen, obviously, the prequels. I've seen this sort of like a much more competent and together and, and you know, in charge Yoda. That's what you've got in this in yeah. the prequels. Yeah. And you go like, right, well, what's the difference? This is 20 years later. All right, what the hell happened in 20 years that he's gone, like, seen on? Feral. Yeah, yeah. No, no you know. I had the same thought. And, and, I was, and watching this again, I was like, oh, my God, we think of Yoda as that guy. Right, mm. think of Yoda as a, such a badass that like the Mandalorian can be like, here's a baby version of Yoda, and he's a badass too. Like he's killing things left and right. Like mm. don't mess with him. He's you know, uh, psychic kid. You know, um, and here Yoda's introduced, and I'm like, oh, this is like a third rate Jim Henson character puppet. Yeah, you know? it's just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm a little troll who's going to steal your food. But that's exactly what I thought. Like. It was like when he starts, I watch it. 
yeah, he starts when he starts. I mean, it's I kind of like it. Was, it's funny in the sense of like, like you say, a Jim Henson Muppet. Like I like the puppetry on it. I have always admired the puppetry of this. But like, when he starts hitting R two, he's like, mine, monitors, monitors, and I'm just like, what is this? This, this character. What's happened in this? I'm sure there's law, and I'm pretty sure there are certain people I could go to that's like, what happened between, you know, um, you know, return uh, what's it, what's it, you know, like Sith and this what happened in that 20 year period that drove him to become this like you know what happened um say that but it doesn't matter because it's not in the movies right no it's not in the movie but i'm sure there's canon that tells me that but you're right it's not in the film it doesn't tell you so you are watching this sort of crazy character but there are moments when so when they go into the house and they go into yoda's little house and stuff and like you know uh, luke's having a bit of a pitching a bit of a fit like what am i doing here i should be out looking for master <laughs> and i'm just like shut up you're in, you in, ingrate you were just such an irritating person um <laughs> and, and that's when like yoda's going like you know um there should be a switch because then he says mm-hmm. like he obviously communicates with the ghost of ben uh obi-wan and he says like you know train him i cannot like he is too, you know he's too impatient and if you like, you know, he basically if he was to turn around and be like everything i've done for you now is a test like i was just right. you know like I wanted to assess you without you judging me, but you judged me based on these things. You know, you're clearly you're clearly sort of like not ready to be a Jedi Master. Like, you know, here you are judgmental. You are sort of guided by the motion. Blah 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 blah. And then be a much more stable character. And he sort of does do that, but there's yeah. still moments when it's sort of like he slips back to that sort of the silly character. I had the um, same thought. It's and like, I'm like, you know. There is that explanation. Is this all a test? Was that all a fake out? Yeah, that's how I say right. it. There are those elements that keep coming back where it's like clear this. No, this wasn't all a fake out, was it? Yeah, he's clearly senile, but like, <laughs> you know, and he's sort of, but there's those moments of clarity where sort of like, um, you know, because he says like, yeah, for 800 years I have changed, trained Jedi masters and all this other stuff. And you're like, oh, cool. There's, you know, this background and, He's clearly a wizard. He's still, he's clearly like you know this is clearly influenced by Lord of the Rings and and all those sort of fantasy films. This is your Gandalf because we've got rid of Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, and so yeah, I but I like those things, but I really do feel this disconnect of watching it now when he's sort of like that sort of like you know, um, slightly silly character, but he hits home way way more. There's a great scene. Um, and this is where I love the puppetry because it's, it's it's a puppet, it's rubber. This thing's bloody rubber. Mm-hmm. But there's a great scene when um, uh, he's been doing his training and he's been running and, and doing all the flips and all this other stuff. Like, and this is another thing that I find hilarious. It's like this thing about matching the force and all this other stuff. But it's always about physicality. Like they have to do a, a visual representation of what yeah. he's doing. So it can't just be sat and meditating or having a discussion or like study. Like it has to be some sort of physical representation of training, sort of this montage. <clears throat> but there's the bit where he feels the dark side of the force and he goes into the the forest to face his dark side or whatever it is, the sort of the test at the end of it. And um Yes, is that the test? It's not supposed to be the end of it. I don't know. I, I, I I've got questions. I don't know. Not but, a test. But he faces a Darth Vader, doesn't he? He faces that version of Darth Vader and it's sort of it's him in the mask and it's a vision quest kind of thing, like, and I understand that what it's for. But the point is, well, the point I want to make is about Yoda that I really like, because Yoda says your weapons you do not need, like you don't need your weapons because I don't want you to fight. And 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 Luke ignores him and sort takes of looks back and takes him in anyway. And the reaction that they give 
Yoda, where he just sort of like he's not angry at that. He just goes, hmm. like it's a moment of like, okay, this is who you are. And then when he when he when it ends and he sort of strikes out at Darth Vader with his lightsaber and he sort of sees the the the, the mass collapses and it explodes and it's the face of Luke inside it, and he confronts it. And again, it goes back to Yoda and Yoda's going, so that's what you saw. Like he knows, and it's this sort of like there's almost this thing of him sat there going, uh, you're clearly not. He knows at that point, like. Yeah, you're not the one that's going to bring balance to the force. Right, that's right. Like, and I like the fact that they've done that. Like in all that time, there's like you know, there's no. It's it, this is where it goes back to the darkness of this film. Like there's no celebratory moment where you know, Yoda's like, "You are the one," you know, Neo, you you are the one kind of thing. There's a real moment of like Yoda going like, N- "No, <laughs> this yeah. this kid's not the one." I don't interpret it that way. I don't interpret it as like he's not the one because you do have the later conversations. I mean, I I really fucking hate Force Ghosts. Like, mm. if, I, I mean, it's just so terrible beyond imagination. Well, they, they came about simply. For, yeah, well, they, it feels to me like Force Ghosts came about because they were like, we killed Obi Wan Kenobi, yeah. but we need him to be an active part of the rest of the story, so we're going to have to bring him back somehow. I mean, I can deal with the vision of 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 uh, Luke's vision of Ben on Hoth. Because it's like mm-hmm. it's a dying vision, and he's like, maybe I'm crazy, maybe this is spiritual. I'm going after this. Okay, and of course, in the Star Wars universe, let's be crystal clear how damaging this shit is. Everything spiritual is true. Yeah, um, but then you know this whole like whole conversation with uh, you know extended conversation between Yoda and um, you know Force Ghost Ben. Mm-hmm. You know they do have this conversation after what you're talking about where they're like well no he's not ready my interpretation isn't like no he's not the one he's not the messiah um but that he like if he is he's clearly not ready he's still he's still this angry young man and a white young man and you know it's almost like the challenge i wonder like how was that encounter with vader like it doesn't even mean anything Mm. it's like a cool visual that somebody came up with and and kept in the script but it it doesn't mean anything to me it means more to you and i don't know that you're wrong but i think that's a really awesome interpretation and i do think you know the way the story should have gone is luke fails and leia is the one right Mm -hmm. um that's clearly where star wars was supposed to go oh this film this film totally feels like that's the way it's supposed to have gone like watching this film right to the end i'm like yeah, when we learn that they are brother and we now know, you know, when we learn they're brother and sister and stuff, like I totally feel like that's how the the end of the story, the the Return of the Jedi should be. Well, and and I I sort of feel like that's how the sequels were, should have been after mm-hmm. the Jedi. Like Return of the Jedi is the end of Luke's story, but the sequels are like, oh no, he is corrupted by the power. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he now he's the Emperor. He's the Emperor. He's running the show. He's too close to Darth Vader. He's too quick to anger. He's not going to run this effectively, and Leia's going to have to resist him um, and come into her own. But that's my, you know, imaginary sequels. Well, even the thing is, this is the thing as well that's never played up and should be. Like, this whole thing's about balance, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where, again, I sort of, even as, as when I was younger and reading, I read some of the legend novels and stuff, like, you have twins, yeah. It's identified that they are twins. One's good, one's bad. Yeah, but the, and so you don't have to, but it doesn't have to be extremes. It just be the balance comes from them being the counter to one another. 
Exactly. So they act yeah. in they, they act as joint leadership of this thing where, like you say, yeah, Luke has accepted sort of like he's further into the dark. And by the end of the, you know, Leia wears what I know she's on an ice planet, but throughout this film, she's wearing white. Luke's gets dirtier and dirtier. Like to yeah. me, I was reading this theme where I'm like, oh, he's traveling on that path. Like anger and emotion is always going to be a part of Luke. She's clearly the sort of more, um, she's defined by her mission. She's defined by sort of the thing. Like she, they should be a pairing. This whole thing should be about the twins and how the balance is struck by not a single person, but by two people. That's, and so this, and this film tells me that's what they should be doing. Well, and that would be much more, I mean, for as much as people criticize The Last Jedi, and I think it's a shit film from start to finish. Having said that, I have a lot of admiration for the underlying ideas that I don't think mm. have come out in that movie mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. of how, yeah, this whole light side, dark side thing does not work, right? This is a false dichotomy. It was never really true in Star Wars. And actually watching this, I think that's crystal clear here. Um, you know, and I think what you're talking about would be a far more satisfying. It's almost like this is already there in the canon. This is there in Empire. Um, you know, I mean, I thought I always kind of hated all this Jedi stuff, mm. especially like like all the Yoda stuff, I think, is just kind of terrible. Like, I, I like the idea that a small weird looking ugly guy again is the most powerful one right like that's kind of affirming and and, feels mm. good and you know di pro diversity and stuff and, and i really like that but all the jedi philosophy is like did you get this on the back of a cracker jack bag like you know it just it really hurts it's so stupid well it's inconsistent it's really isn't it yeah, well, it's inconsistent. That's the biggest thing. Because like, it's, it's faux Eastern philosophy, isn't it? It's sort of like, okay, we're going to take Taoism or Buddhism or whatever, and we're going to sort of make some, um, you know, uh, Confucius kind of statements uh, repeatedly. But they don't they don't match up. Like we've said in the first film, you get like, oh, you know, well, I don't know if it's in the first one or the first or this one, but like, you know, they are the, the Sith. They sort of, they, they, de they deal in absolutes. You know, okay, cool. Okay, that's their thing. Then everything's black and white. And then in this film, you have Yoda going like, "There is no, there is, there is, you know, there is do or do not. There is no try." And you go, "Hang on, that's what, right. that's literally." And a and a dark side. And those are absolutes too, right? <laughs> yeah. now, so you I mean, know, so it, so I, I just want to go through just a few of these. Yoda says that the Jedi. Um, first of all, there is no Sith in this. The Sith do not exist. It is no. It's so clear there's no Sith. Vader wants to ditch the Emperor. He wants to get mm -hmm. his son to be his, like, assistant and train him and defeat the Emperor. But it's not because the Sith always are in pairs and all this nonsense. It's just this dumb surrogate Emperor that they invented for this movie. But anyway, Yoda says that uh, the Jedi use the Force for good, Force for knowledge and peace, never to attack. Right. I've never seen a Jedi attack anybody. I've yeah. never seen a Jedi in a fight. <laughs> Never seen that, right? It's like, what movie are you in? Have you watched any of these Star Wars movies? Can I say that they never for attack? Yet we were clearly involved in the Clone Wars, and we've actually we've already stated that in the first film. So carry on. I mean, with this whole like try not do or don't do, there is no try. All right, uh, guess those cancer patients are fucked. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you get cancer, you better recover, or you just didn't try hard enough, buddy. You know, we all get the life that we deserve based on how hard you try. And then, you know, I think, what about Elizabeth Holmes? 
who had mm. Yoda, you know, who had Yoda on her wall in her stupid criminal enterprise. And this was the idea, the underlying idea, do or don't do, there is no try. My medical team can just come up with a scientific breakthrough and I'll defraud investors and I will get it to work because there is, you just have to try hard enough. And if you can't come up with this medical breakthrough, it's because you didn't try. Yeah. I mean, well, no, it's not about trying. It's not about trying. It's just about doing, isn't it? It's about achieving. It's about achieving. Because I thought the same. Because again, one of the things is like you know they talk about this is the thing that like where it doesn't it falls down even even before you even get to that. Right. The film itself doesn't believe this statement because <laughs> if there is do or do not, then there's no training. Yes. Very because good you either point. you you either can or you you cannot. There is no try. Well, if you if you're not going to get to try, then you don't know. So why are you bothering to train people? Because you're saying that there should be an innate talent to do this. So you why train a Jedi? Because you know you need to train them, and yet you're training him to levitate things. It's 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 one of the dumbest statements. But people quote it all the time. It's one of the dumbest statements of the of the Star Wars franchise. I hate it. I, I hate it too. And I think and I and it and it's real. I just think it's really damaging. And I and I mm. that, you know especially in a country that perpetuates this idea of like it's a meritocracy and you rise to the level that you're at this is that damaging idea mm. you know and and i think what we need much more is compassion for people who don't necessarily make it like good for you for trying what's important is you should try you give it your all you know at the end of the day whether you meet that goal or not it's great sometimes being the best is important and, and kudos to you but you know, and passing a threshold is important in certain situations. Having said that, but, like we need way more compassion and way more understanding for the process. Yeah. Than just, the process. Hey, Thank you. You're not. That's true. yeah. I have the Ferrari. You don't. So what would Yoda say about the two of us? Go suck it. Yeah. But the thing is, again, like even, um, you know, he's trying to teach him this idea. Of, he says, like, you know, I cannot teach him. Okay, well, if you you know you're going to teach someone, well, if, that means he can't do. Then so you've got to try. You know, mm-hmm. this whole again, this whole statement makes me it makes sense because you're trying to teach him to levitate, but he's also saying to him when he goes to leave, uh, when he does a te- you know when he goes to leave to save um, Han and, and Leia and stuff, it's like you're not ready. So this whole point should be about you know okay look I'm going to give you that the test is raising the x-wing out of the swamp mm-hmm. if you can do that you have shown me that you are ready and you have sort of at least to sort of like this first part yeah that should be the thing like you know because that forget this do or do not there is no try like no it should be try try and show the thing should be try and prove to me that you have learned show to me that you have taken on the lessons try, of course try in fact that the, the, you know it should be do or do, do or do not is impo- is not important. Trying is the is the you know is the driving factor. Like, show me that you've learned. Show me that you've you've progressed in your journey, and then we can discuss you leaving to go save your friends. It, it, it's just this one statement just defies everything that is. And I know it's it's been nitpicking in a, in a silly adventure film, but like it just bothers me that point. Yeah, but I mean, keep in mind, you know, look, we can't blame this for prequels and sequels. No, 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 no. After no, they no, came no, out no. of it, but I mean. We have people who claim that their religion is Jedi. Yeah. I mean, if it believes this, it's an evil religion. Now, mm. I mean, I don't believe that. I think people 
probably really cool. <laughs> you know, yes. or like I'm a Jedi man. Like okay, <laughs> I don't believe that. But my point is, you know, I, I, I do think it's really it's really damaging. And to your point that the movie doesn't believe it, think about on a meta level, what is this movie about? And what do I admire this movie? It's that it fails. Mm. The heroes fail. Yeah. And it ends on a really somber note of like the story's incomplete unscrewed up you know luke's training isn't done he's lost a hand he's embarrassed um this is not going well and mm. they, you know do or don't do there is no try no they tried and they failed yeah and the whole movie is about failing exactly and the, the, the point is again you know and we'll get to the end of it because i want to talk i do want to talk about that final shot but one of the things that's important like you know so uh, luke because i'm talking at the time so luke does go to uh, Cloud City, you know, he, he sort of takes on, there's a bit of a diehard moment where he goes around sort of like taking out sort of like uh, Stormtrooper stuff. I kind of like all that stuff. It's kind of yeah. good. It's fun. And so at the, we're back to the adventure side of things. It's, it, it works kind of well. What I would say is I actually really like his fight with Darth Vader. Now, I would say that Darth sh- should, in all intents and purposes, kill him in a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, like, you know, so... When Vader sort of like, you know, um, Vader should be sort of like, you know, it should be clear that you're not ready, pulls the lightsaber out of his hand using his own force mm. skills and then just kills Luke. Like it should be that. So, I, but I like the fact that it's almost like uh, Vader is sort of like tolerating him. It's almost a test in and of itself where he's like, all right, let's see what you've got, kid. I've got no, I'm not particularly scared of this. I'm going to take this on as a fight. And then, because then the reveal leads up to sort of like I was never going to kill you. I wanted to give, I wanted to beat you down to show you how powerful I am, and then give you this opportunity to come back. Um, and so I, I like it on that front. Because the other thing I like about this fight is it's clumsy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and people sort of praise um, um, the third film, the Sith film, for there's a fight scene between. Um, Obi-Wan and, and, and Anakin where it's all twists and jumps and turns and I'm like mm. yeah those are two very skilled very sort of proficient sword fighters that's the whole point this is sort of different and so that when when Vader's using his force powers to throw things at Luke and you have like Luke sort of like turning his back and getting hit at like awkward angles I'm like yeah that, that that's exactly what happened like that's how this would feel like it feels a bit more authentic that like you know it's not choreographed in a sort of smooth slick way it feels lumpy and clunky and sort of awkward and so i kind of kind of respect it for that that it's showing that luke isn't this um skilled fighter at this point like he's still untrained and awkward and and it's sort of like this isn't a slick fight so I, i like all that stuff as well i sort of appreciate that yeah i think the the version that you're describing is like the fight that i want this to be Mm. you know like you know i would say it's the cat and mouse thing right like i Mm -hmm. want vader to be exactly as you say right like he's tolerating you know it's a very one-sided fight and and it should be and that would lead up to that revelation better i don't always feel that it commits to that i think that that's true yeah and and i think the i would just say that the things being thrown around the room kind of look cheap you know, like there's a clumsiness to it that you like, but you know, there's a clumsiness in the staging of it that I don't like. Mm. This window's blown out, and Luca's flying out through the window. And so, I think, first of all, um, you know, that obviously could have killed Luke. You know, yes. Luke is going yeah. out, 
you know, wandering out and then throws himself to his death. I mean, obviously, Vader's not being very careful in this cat and mouse game, right? Yeah. But the other thing is, you know, why is there explosive decompression? Inside. You're in the clouds, right? Yeah. You're in yeah. a planet, right? Yeah. You've forgotten you're not on a space station, dude. Like, yeah. you know, oh, my God, that bothered me this time. <laughs> I didn't even think about that this time, actually. I just was like, oh, we're going to get blown out the window. But, yeah, that's a really good point. They're not on a Death Star. They're not on a space, you know, space spaceship or space station. Like, No, they're literally probably, like, several hundred feet up or, you know, a couple of miles up or whatever. Like, you know, it's it's not that level. Yeah. Um, especially because it's inside as well. Like, it's still inside. The space. It's not like it's, it's not even an exterior window. It's an interior window. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. But the, I mean, look, I know it's a nitpick, but it, it, it no, no, it's, it's, a, it's a, kind of like yeah, you yeah. At this point, but the thing is, if that is the if you're if you're noticing that, because I hadn't even thought about that, but if you're noticing that, then you're you know you're clearly not engaging with what they're presenting you. So that's a failing on their part. Um, what I would say is, I, I, yeah, I do kind of I, maybe it's even headcanon. Like I've I've added to this scene for my own purposes, but that's how I take it. Like it's almost like a cat and mouse. Doesn't you know? And you get moments. It's almost like you know. You get those things of like with like say like Rocky in every fight. Like if this is a wrestling match, you know, you have to have the moment where the the good guy gets the sort of like the the shine. They get a bit of comeback, and you get that. Like Luke gets his moment where he sort of like you know he pushes Darth Vader, and Darth Vader's like, oh, well, actually, Christ, he is actually pretty good. Like you know, there's there's something here. Like you know, he proves he proves himself. And then that's when Darth Vader like elevates it. It's like, well, oh, I'm just gonna start throwing stuff at you. Like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you a lesson kind of thing. And so I, I take it in that way that he's testing Luke and stuff. And then offers, they shoot, like, because at the end of the fight, like, when Luke is backing off, like, it doesn't take him much to chop his hand off because that feels a bit like, all right, I'm done. Like, I'm sort of done with playing now. Off your hand goes. And then he gives him the information, like, you know, you know, Obi-Wan never gave, never told you about your father. And you get the whole reveal. Um, and then you get Mark Hamill giving a rather overactive sort of like no, when that is sort of it's fine and that. But like again, this is where it's sort of like you know Luke, I am your father. And again, this is this is that continuity thing where it's like okay, well, he's known he's called Skywalker the whole film, <laughs> even in the first film. Like you know, you get this thing where I'm a bit like I don't get. Like how this naming convention thing works, like is Skywalker a common? I know this is again a stupid thing. Like if you were to be like, you know, ah, this is Bob Smith, and and I'm your father, Fred Smith. Like you know, there's a lot of names that, that you know, but like Skywalker feels very specific, and it's the fact it's been a bit of a thing for a while. Like I don't know, it, it, you know, but like, also like it, it, you know, the best way, like I guess with Leia, I mean, she was adopted by the Senator Organa, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah, law dude, uh, who I love. Mm. Um, and you know, but in the case of Luke Skywalker, they're like, yeah, just put him on Tatooine, you know, with Obi Wan will watch over him. Don't bother changing his last name; nobody will come <laughs> looking. Yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> he's not. It's the fact he's, he was adopted and looked after, not not even by strangers, like you say, like with Leia, but like literally by um, his, you know, Anakin's um, stepbrother. <laughs> like it's. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not even like you know it's not even distant, like you know fan out and search for my relatives. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and I know there's obviously there's canon in the comics and books that explain all this, but I don't care. It's not in the film. You can always like, have some explanation for some yeah, yeah. shit if you have enough people writing and noticing. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, but you know, you're right. I mean, in 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 addition to the the stupid scene with the emperor, where they're talking about Anakin and Vader clearly as different people, mm. including to somebody who is both of those people who does not correct or say I, you know, at any point. Um, then there's also the conversation with the Obi-Wan Force Ghost, and mm. it pains me to say these words, uh, who's pleading with Luke not to go. Um, and uh, he's, you know, they're like, look, Luke is going off to his death. They're talking about the risks of the dark side. You're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose yourself. The cause is going to be lost. All will die. The universe will be out of balance forever if you leave. And why would you not say at that point, like, you know, your father went to the dark side. Mm -hmm. This is uh, the entire universe is at stake. Don't go, baby. Let me tell you the truth. Like, your father went to the dark side. He's Vader. How did they not say that at that point? I don't know. But this comes back to this whole thing about the communication, doesn't it? And and again, I wonder, I do wonder if, like, there's all this sort of, you know, uh, thing of, like, they brought James Earl Jones in and gave him the script, made him do the lines, all this other stuff. And again, I've not, I don't know, this, I don't know all the behind the scenes. I wonder if they had him read two versions. Where there was a version where James Earl Jones does say, I killed your father. And this was going to be a revenge story of, um, you know, Luke going after Vader for the death of Anakin Skywalker. And then you know, there was that thing of like, should we, shouldn't we, should we, don't know if we're going to do it, and eventually did it. I don't know. But it feels a bit like they were trying to sort of um, cover both bases. And boss covering, keeping people in the dark. Because, yeah, this is, again, where, like, Obi-Wan's the worst kind of mentor. <laughs> <laughs> like, the Jedi are manipulative. They, they, they withhold information. Like, you know, and I know these are all sort of, like, factors that people will bark at and go, like, but it's true. Like, you know, Obi-Wan holds, he lies by omission. Like, he holds yeah. back information Absolutely. repeatedly, as, as does Yoda. Um, yeah. And, and so you're a bit like, oh, you are just a pair of manipulative old men that just, you know, looking to sort of, you know, use... Luke, where you could be actually like, you're, this is your life mission. This is who you could be. You are sort of prophesied as being the chosen one or whatever, the one that brings balance to the force. Da 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 da. Like, give that sort of like, you know, um, give him his true legacy mission, but they never do. Yeah. And I, and I think that that would have been a more interesting or at least a different movie. I mean, you know, as you say, like they are manipulative. I mean, here we have like Vader is a really bad manager. He's a really bad bad guy. In yeah. You know, he's he's not a bad bad guy, but he's he's a guy who is a really good big bad character. He's not a good leader of an empire. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and even if you want to say the emperor is there, whatever Vader in effect is leading it, he's not a good bad guy in that context. And Luke and Obi-Wan Obi and, and Yoda are not good mentors in the good guy context. They, you know, and it's not just that they lie and omit key information that somebody deserves to know before they go into a setting where it's a key factor, but also that they do it while talking about truth and knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how evil can you get? Like, yeah. 
Well, that's what I mean. It doesn't know its own. It doesn't know its own philosophy. And like you say, later books will will wreck on this and 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 fix it and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things as well, I just want to finish on this note because there's obviously this thing. That, so the the offer that Darth Vader makes to Luke is, mm-hmm. "Join me, join the dark side, and we will rule the universe together as father and son." And you go, you know, okay, all right, well, you know, whatever. That's sort of the offer that's been made. One of the things that made me think about the um, the, the the sort of the descent of of Anakin in the original sort of films. Mm-hmm. The growth of his anger and his frustration and his petulance and the eventual sort of like the death of his mother and, and then the sort of like the, the death of uh, of uh, Padme and stuff like it's not it's it's clunky storytelling, it's not fantastic. Like some of the films are really, you know, awful. But I buy to an extent this idea that there has been a series of events over a period of time that actually made um the dark side appealing like he is sort of like you know he sees that there's a benefit to the dark side this idea of saving padme because she's going to die and he's seen his mother die so he's like okay well i don't want to experience that grief again so i want to have a way of manipulating the life force of people so that i can save lives like you know it's that thing of like doing a bad thing for the right reason sort of thing like they're trying to get to that aren't they that's the fall of anakin and it happens over a period of time like you know he's again it's sort of the frustration of everything so it's not fantastic story selling, but it's a descent. It is an absolute spiral into darkness. I don't know why he would think like Luke doesn't seem to have. A, a, there's no offer. There's nothing there. Where it's like I can save your friends. I can. We mm-hmm. can do. It's just a case of. It's just a. We will rule together. It's so sort of like greed centric, mm-hmm. power centric, that I don't know that why the offer is sort of like why this should feel like a valid offer. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not like, yeah. No, I mean what's what's fascinating is I think you make an awesome point. I think it's an excellent point, and I think especially bringing in prequels, um, you know, that is the the key thing that's fantastic in the prequels is mm. else you think about them, they do tell that story that they set out to tell, and it is that sort of descent, and you you know there's a character arc with key beats, and you know it goes where it needs to go. Mm. Um, you know, and you're right. It, it does try to sell it as, you know, justifying it, not just a I've chosen to be evil now, you know, um, and that makes sense. But, you know, the same reason why there is this kind of like sales job in that third prequel film of uh, the emperor saying, you know, uh, we can rule together, we can do good things. Mm-hmm. That's the key thing that I find missing here. So. You find missing a kind of like offer, which would be very easy for him to make, especially coming from that place. Um, if we want to retroactively back, I find missing like, why does Luke not consider this? Mm. I, I find the offer. I'd be like, oh, I'm taking that offer today. <laughs> like, I mean, I, instantly. I, I mean, I'd be like, look, how much authority am I going to have? I know you're used to ruling stuff, but I've got ideas about how you should run this empire. You know, let's talk about amnesty for my friends. Well, that's smart people. Let's talk about ways that they could be integrated into a better, smarter empire that maybe is a little less abusive, maybe can change some of these policies that we've had problems with. You know, could I influence things at your side like that? How much authority will I have? Or do you just want me to be a baddie bad in your model? Which I think is what's being offered here. 
But that's the but, a discussion of that. I, I no, and that, be like, okay, let's let's negotiate. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is where, and maybe again, if they knew what they were really doing, and again, this is just just jumped into my head right now. Mm-hmm. We've talked about um, the confrontation that should exist between Leia and Darth Vader, right? If you really want to make Darth Vader this cat and mouse thing, right? really be this Machiavellian thing where he's trying to undermine the empire emperor, right? This would make Darth Vader so much more manipulative. Have him know that who Leia and Luke are, mm-hmm. all right? Have him have this, this whole plan of he wants to sort of take out the emperor, but he wants to rule. And this idea of balance of good and bad, this idea of having both sides represented, instead of being in a single person, it has to be a duality. There has to be the yin and yang, the good and the bad. Have him recognize that he is the bad. Mm-hmm. He is always going to represent the dark side, right? That was his posi- that is his destiny. In the balance of things, he will always have been, he was always destined to represent the dark side. So he needs a counter. And have him confronting, like he's been testing and, and you know manipulating things so that he can test the twin children. Mm-hmm. Who is going to rule by his side? Is it going to be Leia? Is it going to be Luke? Mm-hmm. And have that be the sort of the dynamic. So really, like, he's almost going to put the two children in conflict. And that's going to be... And then, but then the, the end of the story should be that actually it's the twins that end up ruling and Luke becoming the dark side and, and Leia becoming the light. That is a dynamic I want to see. Where, like, Le- Darth Vader's like, do you know what? I've known all this information for years. I've known exactly where you are. This has always been destined to happen <laughs> in this way. You know, I've yeah. set things in motion. That's why I have to use... That's why I have to use bounty hunters because I can't have certain information. I don't trust. Mm. I don't trust that I can use the military complex because things might get back to the emperor. I have mm. to use these bounty hunters because I can secrete information. This is all a game that I'm playing, or this is a, my big plan for me to uh, usurp the emperor and then have someone rule up my side that represents the good and the bad to provide balance across the the universe. Right. I mean, that's the destiny. That. That would be well. That's the, that should be the destiny. That should be the thing. This acknowledgement of, you know, that Yoda's wrong. There is no absolutes. You're right. There is good and bad, and there has to be a decision between the two. Yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never understood this decision between the two. You know, this like, like, is the bad side more powerful? Like, well, they have the same set of powers. You know, they just choose not to use them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I find this idea that like. Good and evil are natural. Like, you know, no, I mean, a, a weapon does what it does. A power mm-hmm. does what it does. I mean, I can pound a nail in or I can smash a skull in. You know, these are two amoral choices. They're moral because of our society looking at them, but they are the same hand stroke. Um, you know, the consequences might be differently more, but like it's not nature positive and negative but i like what you're saying and i think it would make a lot more sense than what we get um but i mean definitely like that twin thing you know is not ever really explored and no, right. not, even, not even the sequels not even the sequel trilogy do they really explore it when they really yeah. should do and also you know it seems so clear that luke is going to the bad side right yeah but they can't do that because you bought the figures right i mean <laughs> that's the real thing is <laughs> You know, you had kids who grew up with, I mean, I had a Empire Strikes Back, you know, bedsheet, man. Mm. Go like, all right, eight-year-old, your hero is the next Darth Vader, man. Like, Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine though, if this is how it went, like you know, and it was there was a review because even the sequels. I'm thinking about the sequels. You've got what's the name, Ray and Kylo Ren. That's the same relationship. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be. Oh, there's a worry of like they're in conflict. No, no, they should be the the end result of this should be a joint um, balance between the dark, light and the dark. That's the point. This and it should it should even be revealed that the Jedi were wrong. The Jedi were wrong for generations. It was never about an individual. It was always about a balance between right, you know, left and right, dark and side, to find that balance to make the best possible. Because it should be this. This story should be about compromise. Like, you know, there are there are grey areas, and you need influences from both sides to try and understand the best way of managing these things. I don't know. It it just feels a bit like yeah, they keep dallying around the edges of this concept and never really get into it. Um, well, and I, and I think that the key problem there is that they have not thought through their own material. Yeah. Um, but, but it wasn't intended yeah. to be that thing. It was still an adventure film, wasn't it? That's the thing. Oh, that's true. But, you know, I mean, I think you should think through at least your own material when it comes to maybe not, you know, uh, you know incorporation of Taoism. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly your own material when it comes to... Uh, your family's, your character's familiar relationships. I mean, yeah. you should kind of know that and know the implications of that. And this doesn't. I mean, and, and it's just like, it just needs more work. Yeah. Having said that, like, there are these ideas here that we really like. And I, and I don't think that this is a bad film. I mean, I feel no. like the first Star Wars is just embarrassing. And there's stuff that I like in it. There's stuff that's beautiful. There's stuff that's like, Awesome, cool ideas. You could see why kids would love, but it's just filled with so like it just trips over itself time and time again. It's painful for me to watch. This is painful in places, but like there's so much more promise here. Like this is actually mm. like I feel like this is actually a movie. You know? Yes, it might. It's a it's a good movie in places and a bad movie in places and just a decent adventure movie in places, and and it has all the problems we've talked about, but it's a movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. functions as a movie in a basic yes. way that I feel the first one doesn't. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this is clearly a step up from the original one. I'm just aware of time, so let's sort of wrap up. This. Let's see, any final thoughts then on Empire Strikes Back? Um, one thing that uh, we didn't talk about that I'd like to say is uh, talking about Leia, and, mm. you know, I credit my friend for some of these observations that, you know, Leia, um, you know, is very strong and she's not sexualized. No. Uh, which is so weird for the nineteen eighty for nineteen eighty. Yeah, give it give it one more movie. <laughs> oh, that's true. But see, here's the thing. And then we were talking and seeing like how her costumes and her her attitude changes over the movie. And I was like, well, there's this trope of strong women who, as soon as their love interests get serious, they start you know becoming weaker. And you know, mm-hmm. suddenly Leia's in like flowing dresses instead of like a military uniform and like. Right. So, and and then by the third one, she's a slave girl, you know. Yeah. Yes. So we'll get to that one day. We'll talk about that again. Yeah. But you have uh, share a final observation that because you know, once sometimes we end these and then you like have a killer thing that if I let you run for like three minutes, you would just like, <laughs> blown uh, the internet to smithereens and. Um. No, I just, I just think this is watching it this time. One of the things is really for me is just the missed potential of this. Like I watch this, and we've talked about it today, and I'm like, there is, there is a journey of Star Wars that is much more consistent and much more interesting of this idea of balance, and especially if it's if it's diving into sort of Eastern philosophy, like it really should have sort of like it should have been obvious 
to sort of go, that's what this is about, like yin and yang. Like, you know, it's not that the, the, the Jedi were always right and stuff. It's like, you know, explore the fact that actually... And I think especially in today's politics, you know, with this idea of sort of like left and right and wokeism and cancel culture and all this other stuff of being on the being on the the left is good and being on the right is bad. And, you know, you know, yes, you and I have much more liberal leanings, but like I still look at certain things within, within woke culture and cancel culture. Where I'm like, yeah, there's a nuance missing in this on both sides, on the extremes of both sides. And that's what this this film could have been. This series could have been about that nuance of balance between light and the dark um and i feel that that's really what sort of you know and i also think like darth vader could be a much more interesting character if there's, there's that thing but it's good i do like this film again i'll just say this is an adventure film that first 40 minutes that first all the stuff on half really good like i really enjoy all of it like it really gets me hooked in i can see why people think this is the best of the original trilogy um and uh yeah no, it works for the most part there's just it's just when it sort of goes off into its own philosophy and things like that it starts to sort of fall apart in bits like i actually i think i enjoy the bits with with han and leia and, and london more than than i do the stuff with luke um it's a much more interesting story and i think it actually works better um and i, I like the fact that this does end on it's brave it ends the thing i was gonna say is the end shot like it ends on we said it's a, it's a you said like it's a it's a you know it's a down note it's, it ends on that sort of thing of failure but one of the things that I find interesting is it sort of, it does, but it ends on sort of like it's an opt, but it's also an optimistic ending. Because it's not a sort of like you know no one's sort of like wringing their hands and and you know weeping. It's a sort of like you get up, dust yourself off. Luke has got his he's got his new robotic hand, and that will be explored as a sort of like you know a step towards his father type thing. But it ends with them saying like we will find Han, we will carry on. The resistance will carry on. Like, yes, we've had a setback, but we will carry on. And I like that as almost like a, as a positive note of like failure isn't the end. Failure isn't sort of like the end. The end. This is the cliffhanger. We will pick this up. And so I like that that like it's brave enough to have the the heroes fail, but not to completely destroy them. You know what I mean? It's sort of um, so. Yeah, that's what I like about this. This the end in this film. Yeah, and and. That I, I love what you just said, and it is the opposite of do or don't do. There is no try. Exactly. You know? Yeah, which is the try. worst statement in this film. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's also true in so many of our lives that, you know, victory and, no, and nobility is defined as getting back up again. Mm. You know, you don't, so many people give up because they're not a natural at something, you know, and you need to get knocked down and you need to, you know, learn how to get back up again to get really better and, and to not hate yourself because you got knocked down, you know, learning means getting knocked down a thousand times. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. learn to do anything. Exactly. So, yeah, so I do like this film. There are bits, but you know, when we get to our reviews, we'll see what scores we give it. Anyway, we will, we'll come to the end. We've been sort of overrunning a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. And I do hope that you do or, well, no, I'm not going to say do or not, do or do not. Do go back and listen to our old episodes. Please try Stories Out of Time and Space. There are plenty of things there to try and explore. We've done all kinds of things, lots and lots of films, Red Dwarf, Westworld, Doctor Who. We've covered all kinds of different bits and pieces. Please go back and try our episodes. If you like what we're doing, go leave a review on your podcast catcher, five stars preferably, but anything, any feedback is, is appreciated. We really enjoy to hear from you. And finally, if you like what we're doing and you like what Julian and I talk about, go check out the Patreon. 
Um, you will find a lot of things on there, especially our series Trekking Through the Twilight Zone. We're working through the Twilight Zone episode by episode, and that is also being released on this feed every other week, going back to the first season. But if you go onto Patreon, we're into season uh, three, actually now. We were sort of doing well into season three. So, yeah, go check that out. We're doing a whole bunch of stuff now. So um, links down below for those things. Uh, but, Julian, thank you very much for talking Star Wars. And uh, it's my honor. And, and I've learned about this movie through talking with you. And uh, thank you for listening, everyone. And you know, get more involved. We love doing this. And if yes, you we do love this half as much as we love doing it. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, it would be awesome. And in the next episode, we are returning to a small mining organization on a different planet. Uh, but we're going to be joined by uh, Sean Connery in Outland. So, uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking forward to talking about that film. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And we'll talk again soon. streams.